Welcome to the Mike and Mike Podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman, who just got off of the road after being away for, I feel like, forever. Yeah, I'm home, baby. I'm home for like a month. It's awesome. We also got Shane Cunningham here, our pop culture aficionado. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> um, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Have you done any uh, Christmas shopping yet? Yep. Really? Oh, yeah. Are you done? Uh, I still got to do my dad and I don't know what the hell I'm going to get him. I'm hoping I can just, uh, put that onto my brother. You know what I was thinking about? Cause I have a bunch of people I need to buy gifts for. I'm just going with cards. Just, I was just going to say that's the easiest thing. Just to do, cards yeah. with a nice note. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I spent $60 on like 10 nice cards or eight nice cards in, uh, Hamilton and mixed media, Some nice homemade kind of Hamilton looking cards. I'm just going to write something really nice in the inside. Hmm. Well, how do you guys feel that when you get a card as a gift? If it's from another adult, it's totally fine. I guess. It's like, don't even, I don't need a card. Like, <laughs> I like What if it's it. a really thoughtful uh, note? Yeah, though? if it's a what good if, What if someone's pouring out their heart? If Mike's rolling his eyes. If it's clear that you're putting a thought in this, I don't know. We, I tell you guys how I feel about you all the time. I don't need a card at Christmas to know but how you if feel. If you gave me a card and was like, Shane, you've like changed the podcast. You add so much to it. I'd be really touched. I'd be brought to tears probably almost. Whereas like when you get a grown up job, you can almost buy anything you want. So gifts lose their value to me. Right. And when I'm married, I share the same bank account with my wife. So I'm like, don't get me any gifts. Cause it's just like me buying a gift. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause well, we literally share the bank account. Like there's no separation. So I could see all the gifts anyway. The one thing I'm actually worried about is, uh, my sister's kids. Kids affection for adults is usually based on if the adult gives them good gifts at their birthday and Christmas it's measured time. by your gifts. It totally is. So I can't be like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, take you out to a movie because like, well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gifts are for kids. I think. Yeah. You don't value like a nice written card. Like that doesn't do anything for you. I guess, I guess if to your point, if somebody were to give me a card and I opened it and it was like this paragraph of like a really sort of like, like you know, heartfelt sentiment where they got into maybe like, I would, I would be taken aback. Sure. It's, it just seems like those aren't the cards that come. It's usually like happy holidays. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't have any time for those cards. No. Right? Like I don't give a shit what Hallmark says. I want, yeah. I want a blank card with like handwritten stuff in Something it. All about sweet. me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I missed, uh, some Christmas partying though. The one regret that I have about being on the road is missing events with you guys. How's the, the pub crow. Oh, well. it was awesome. <laughs> it was the best one it's ever been. Explain I'm, the no context joke. of the pub crawl, uh, Mike. So every year we do a thing called the 12 bars of Christmas or the 12 pubs of Christmas. And <laughs> Which make us really sound like we're a bunch of college frat boys. <laughs> <laughs> this tradition will never die back. So like, I don't know, anywhere from like 14 to like, yeah, like about 14 guys go out and we hit every bar in Hamilton, Ontario on like James Street North. And it's really fun because at every bar you do a thing called credit card roulette where we throw all of our cards into a hat. They come out one by one. When your card comes out, you're super happy because you don't have to catch the bill. Uh, and then the last two have to split the bill. That's so exciting though, right? It is. And then, so this year the rules were you're out for the next two rounds. And then if you get hit again, you can never get hit more than twice in the night. Okay. But because it was such bad weather and so icy, we had a thing where if you slipped and fell, you lost your immunity, meaning you get back thrown back <laughs> in the pool. That's a good That's rule. Awesome. It was Awesome. How many people were falling? I fell uh, <laughs> after I'd had my got hit twice, so my immunity was gone. Oh no! My card never got pulled again. Oh thank And God. Sean Dawson had one of the funniest spills I've ever seen. Like <laughs> he hit the ground and then he tried to get up, but it was so icy. He like hit the ground again and flailed like a deer on ice. Like it was the <laughs> funniest thing, man. Anyway, so he lost his mean. I don't think he got hit again after that, but okay. everything got a little blurry by that point. But yeah. you know, you guys are there every year, and uh, this year you were both missing. Well, it's. 
it's funny. I got uh, harassed a lot for not going by the nut. Who, uh, how do we give him context real quick for if this is, yeah, listeners of the show know the nut is one of our friends. He's a pretty boisterous guy. Him and Shane have a bit of a rivalry. He's been doing this nice guy routine for, I'd say about (laughs) eight months where we haven't had any altercations because we did have a big altercation where, um, he had my passport and wouldn't give it back. And the reason I needed my passport was because my wife has lupus and I was trying to, uh, speed up the process of us uh, getting legally married so she could be on my benefits package. Uh-huh. Once once the nut found this out, he was very apologetic. And he said, well, if you just told me she was sick, then it would be fine. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, okay, good point. And then things were cool. Anyway, Alex, uh, my wife, by and large, has mostly been in decent health. Not great, but decent health. I went to a Marley's game. Uh, I think I got tickets from your buddy, Kyle Dubas. Oh, nice. nice. And the Marley's game was at 1.30 p.m. So I have plenty of time to get back home for the pub crawl, which starts at 5.30 p.m. But I also got promoted at work. Oh, recently. congratulations. Thank you. So that. my dad and stepmom want to take me out for dinner. I'm like, fine. Still be home plenty of time. Unfortunately, the place we went to... I don't know, something made Alex sick possibly, or maybe she just was going to be sick anyway. And like when she's sick, it's not like, oh, I've got a tummy ache. Like her organs are shaking. She's like crying. She's like, she like passes out. So I'd love to be like, you're fine, honey. Go to a pub crawl and come back shit face. But (laughs) what if I come back and she's dead? You know, I don't, to be honest, I don't know a lot about lupus. I know the say it's the disease of a thousand faces or whatever. But I put in the group like, oh, you know, Alex is sick, guys. And no one really said anything. And then the nuts like lies. (laughs) There's a million Instagram posts on how I'm a loser. (laughs) Like, so as much as I appreciate the nut coming out of his shell and being a real guy and not so much of a phony anymore, it was just kind of odd for him to choose like my wife's sickness as that to be breaking the ice. The other side of that would be because it's like you say that it sounds like people are the most terrible people in the mm-hmm. world. Like the guy's wife's sick and it's like we heckled mm-hmm. the whole time. The, the thing is, I think because, you know, since let's say the joint bachelor bachelorette where you weren't able to go on a bachelor party because your wife was maybe not feeling that. Mm-hmm. tradition. Yeah. So when you can't attend a pub crawl, I think that the overriding feeling was this is another example potentially yeah. of like the, her feeling like she's missing out him not going. Sure. But like people who know Alex, like she's not a lying person. If she didn't want me to go, she'd go, Oh, I don't want you to go or play some angle. Like Alex doesn't lie. Like I've had girls who've like been like, Oh, like stay home. Don't leave. Alex isn't like that. She's like, go party. And if she's unhappy, she'll discuss it. I think you're just, I think people are concerned that you're throwing around the lupus card. Like, oh, whenever you get out of anything, oh, it's the lupus again. And then no, it, it no, seems I, suspicious because it's like, oh, how convenient on one of the nights that the boys are getting together. But if you know Alex, oh. if you know Alex, know. you know she's not like that. Like, yeah. she's literally the least like that girlfriend person, girl I've ever met in my life. And I'm the first to We're slag a girlfriend. Her. We're not saying her. <laughs> We're not saying that she's, she didn't get sick that night. Right. But and, what, or that what, she faked it. But I Mike, think what s- do I do? Do I go on a pop crawl and no. come home with my wife shaking on the ground? <laughs> our other, our other <laughs> yelling. I don't care. Like, no, I, I, I'm yelling. It just makes it fine. seem like, like it's, it's like these guys are huge. No, I the said guy. the nuts are huge. I didn't know you were actually talking behind my back, Mike. And if anyone, I thought you'd be <laughs> like being like, oh, actually, Shane wouldn't do that. I thought you'd have my what, back. Though? What do you think Shane wouldn't do? What w- would say? Oh, like 
actually his wife is probably sick because I know Shane and I know Alex closer maybe than those guys did. Right. No, all it was was in, so it was like you didn't show up. You turned your phone off, so no one could get a hold I, of you. I didn't turn my oh, phone off. Guys, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, this is, we're not going to record anymore. All right, uh, that conversation literally went on for another 20 minutes, so we cut out most of it, and we're back. It was mostly just Mike and Shane screaming at each other. <laughs> well, we concluded that the nuts and <laughs> We also concluded that it's very typical of most group behavior that you just shit on the person who isn't there. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad people found comedy in uh, sickness. I'm just glad. <laughs> All right, next subject. <laughs> Speaking of the Champagne Boys message group, uh, our one friend, we won't mention his name, was having a bit of an after party, and the neighbor stormed in at three in the kicked morning. Kicked down the door. Kicked down the door, complaining about the sound. And the thing about our friend who was hosting the after party is he he likes to think of himself as a very considerate, neighborly person. He was very shook by the fact that this guy like broke down his door just to say stop playing the music. Like it was a, mm-hmm. it was a total like overreaction on the part of his neighbor. But w- when our friend told us that told the Champagne Boys the news of what had happened, everybody was thinking about how to be uh, retributive uh, justice, uh, <laughs> vigilante justice. Yeah, yeah. vigilante justice. And well, Sean Dawson said, "Let's learn to the East End, which is a notoriously tougher side of town in Hamilton." It's like let's let's learn to end zones, which yeah. is like <laughs> an East End bar. It's like justice will be served with a side of wings. <laughs> that cracked me up. So. <laughs> I love you loving that joke. Yeah. More than I love the joke. <laughs> I, honestly, when Sean wrote that, I was just cackling to myself in the van. Justice was well, I, Go on. Are we lawyering up? Like, what's happening? No, actually, our friend uh, had to figure out what he was going to do next. He went the other way. He's a pacifist. He uh, wrote a letter, a very nice letter. I helped him draft it, basically saying, first of all, he started with an apology. I apologize for making noise at late hours of the night. I pride myself on being a good neighbor. This won't happen again. That said your reaction was like totally uncalled for. It was violent and unnecessary and this can't ha- ever happen again. I look forward to being a good neighbor to you. Here's my number if you ever want to talk. Hope you have a great holidays. So he so he didn't press charges. He didn't bring it to the condo board. He didn't ask for money back for the trim that got th- broken I, when this what? guy kicked the door in and he, destroyed the garbage can? I think he may have can. included a photo so I think what what I would, was he topless? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no photo of the damage. Sometimes if you take the high road, you know, if when you go high, they go low. No, yep. when they go low, you go high. Sure, that's a pretty popular saying. Yeah, or when they months. go low, they win the election. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy will. Uh, he got to burst in and destroy parts of our friend's, you know, condo, and like really, what will be the the sort of repercussions of that. Yeah, there we'll won't see. be. Yeah, yeah we'll the see. thing I thought was interesting was in the group is we just started kind of like um, self reflecting on why we're all such. <laughs> like, well, I think because none of us are tough, right? <laughs> so if you're good at something, you're going to want like guys who do kickboxing, you're always kind of hoping you get in a fight and you can have that moment. And guys who are like kind of like clever, you always want to like have the ultimate like Zinger. witty retort. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're more witty retort guys. Right. So when a guy bursts in the door, it's like, we're not going to fight. We're just going to yeah. bust a good joke. Yeah. Be like, nice kick. <laughs> and then everyone laughs or something. And then that guy feels humiliated by the, by the verbal lashing. You honestly seeing guys fight. Like if you're at a bar in Hess Village is so upsetting mm-hmm. to me. It really is. Mm-hmm. Like I almost start crying just watching it. Mm-hmm. You wanted to say a few words about Casey Affleck, oh, your yeah. doppelganger. So, um, <laughs> Oh yeah. So a couple of things, uh, because, uh, we had to drive home from Nashville our last tour date. It was just Nick and I in the van. The rest of the guys flew. Uh, we had a lot of time to talk, catch up. It was a really good bonding experience, but we also listened to a lot of podcasts and we listened to the WTF pod with, uh, Casey Affleck. Yeah. And 
he was so Boston and refreshingly like honest, despite the fact he's been in LA and like hangs out with all these Hollywood types. So like Mark Maron would ask him, I was like, Oh, so you got to play a part in oceans uh, 12. What was that like? So, yeah. Hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was, did you get to act in a scene with George Clooney? Well, you know, I was in the background all blurry. I'm out of focus guy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, but you got to say something in chasing Amy. You, you got a role in that. He's like, nah, <laughs> said, you know, I show up one line. Who cares? I don't like doing that. kind. Of I don't like doing yet. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I hate that stuff. It was so funny. And I, and Nick pointed out that he talks like he's just been screaming at somebody for mm-hmm. like 10 minutes. Like his voice he's is got a rasp yeah. to it. It's just a horse. But anyway, I used to be compared, uh, somebody said I look like a celebrity, uh, and I don't even want to say it, but I will for the sake of the story. Tom Arnold. <laughs> no, no. Uh, who's Tom Arnold? I'm kidding. It was a bad joke. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know you could have picked a better name that maybe listeners would know who the hell you're talking sorry. about. He used to be married to Roseanne. Uh, <laughs> no, not Tom Arnold. Um, I'm sorry. Tom Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Mike loves the joke. <laughs> um, no, uh, Charlie Day. Oh yeah, yeah, and I hated that because he plays an annoying character, and I, I guess he's okay looking. But he's but you when you get compared to somebody, you always want to be compared to the more handsome version of, of yourself course. and the less handsome version of yourself. So I used to be compared to uh, Adam Brody on the OC, Adrian Adam Brody. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, I like that because he's like a hunky dude. But I didn't like the Charlie Day one. But lately, <laughs> I've been compared to Casey Affleck, Tegan and Sarah. That's right. Said I look like Casey Affleck on the MMVA pod. Who do you get, Shane? Well, when I was in. Decent. Well, I get Zach Braff a lot. Like, oh, I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, but it was always like, you're like a sexier Zach Braff. So I kind of like that. <laughs> but then when I got Johnny Depp, it was like, it was an uglier Johnny Depp. So it was kind of <laughs> like, I actually like the uglier version. And then them saying, but you're better looking. I prefer really? that. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I like that better. Huh. Interesting. What about you, Mike? Uh, you I have get, a unique look. There's yeah, not too many quarter yeah. Asian guys. It's true. Well, I, Jimmy Fallon would be the most. Oh, yeah. I Fallon. used to get Fallon. Yeah. Um, and then Pete Wentz for a bit when my hair was kind of swooped. Oh, nice. And that, that makes sense. When yeah. I was young and had long hair, uh, people used to compare me to Keanu Reeves from Bill and Ted's. Oh, had yeah. Like yeah a Bill I and Ted's that. vibe. Keanu yeah, it always depends on your facial hair, how fat you are, and all that. So I, it, it changes. Like uh-huh. in the summertime, I get way different. If I'm wearing sunglasses, way different. Too. Yeah. Well, speaking of famous people, let's get to the interview. On this episode of the Podmax, we talked to Kirk Hammett. Man, when we got the call about this interview, that he requested the pod. That's right. Well, I don't know exactly how true that is. But. Well, we heard from Greg Stewart, who does amazing. You know, he's the best. Every time you see the Facebook Live, we're in his office. Uh, he lets us do all the interviews in his office. And I saw him in the halls at 299. And he's like, dude, he's like, Metallica's coming to town. They requested the Mike on Much podcast. I'm Woo! like, what? I'm like, really? Now, the way these things work is... I'm sure Kirk or Lars says Kirk wants to do something cool. What's the cool thing at bell? Yeah. But, uh, cool guy. Yeah. He, uh, (laughs) it's kind of crazy to think like to talk to anybody who's lived the life that he has. Cause like their story is crazy. Cause when I was preparing for the interview, like the story with their bass player dying is just insane. And he has something to do with it. Do you know the story? No. So basically they're on a tour in Europe in like 1985 and they were probably just wasted because they were wasted basically for all the eighties. He got in an argument with the bass player saying for which, who had what bunk on the bus right. and they ended up playing cards. Kirk Hammett lost and said, okay, what bunk do you want? And the bass player said, I want your bunk. And then, so he slept in the bunk in Kirk Hammett's bunk that night, the bus crashes, topples over and the bass player gets like uh, stuck underneath the bus. Jeez. 
that should have been Kirk Hammett. Okay. Terrible. That's like one part of Kirk Hammett's story, mm-hmm. and there's like a thousand parts of it. Well, it's a good lesson to the Champagne Boys not to be so petty, too, because, you know, things can happen. Yeah. That's why I don't like fights at bars, because it's not the fight itself, but it's like somebody falls and then hits their head, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then they die. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Yeah, going know. back to Metallica. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, going back to Metallica. <laughs> um you know, for me, Metallica is like, like, I would say we had more response when we posted like the photo of me with Kirk Hammett from just like generally people that are so excited and stoked. Like Metallica means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And I sometimes forget. It's like for a lot of people, like the Metallica, Metallica is their Beatles. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're that big. They're that yeah, iconic. Like people you wouldn't think like some hot blonde girl be like, I love him. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and yeah, and that's the thing. It's like to be able to get to sit down, uh, with him and yap and he was he's just open man like i think when you've been doing it that long there's like kind of a looseness where you're not uptight you know i don't well everything about your personal life has already been written about you kind of you yeah. think so it's like with all of us we're sort of hiding things from our parents that we don't want to tell them about or whatever at least i am but uh <laughs> you know but with kirk ham it's like anything you want to know but like it's like yeah i tried heroin a couple times mm. you know it's like oh yeah this thing happened this thing happened so. yeah his wikipedia specifically talks about him seeing his neighbor uh copulate with his dog oh yeah that was so weird such a random thing in the wikipedia yeah and it was like do you bring this up why is that in the wikipedia is it because it's so bizarre that it can't help but be in there or is it a pivotal moment like very weird thing to be in the wikipedia we did not get to we We didn't ask about that i would have asked it i know you would tell us about that (laughs) opening question (laughs) let's talk dog sex (laughs) (laughs) um all right you want to get to kirk hammett How's it going? I'm Mike. Good, man. It's so nice to meet you. Likewise. Alrighty. Yeah, a little stand and everything. Pro setup here. Mm-hmm. Do you need the full 20? Yeah, I mean, we'll roll, and then if you want to pop well, in. Well, I'll, I'll give you a five-minute warning and a one. How's that? Okay. Sounds great. Groovy. All right. How about it? Thanks so much. Cool. Thank you. Been doing a lot of these today? No, oh, this is only the second one, so. So we're number two. Yeah. All right. It's still fresh. <laughs> it's like when it's like number 11 or 12, but I'm like, yeah. No. Starts to be a bit much. Yeah. All one word answers. No. Yeah. That's hilarious. We interviewed uh, uh, Scott Weiland actually, and he came in and ate a grilled cheese the whole time, and he gave me all yeses and nos, burned through my questions in, in five minutes. Yeah. He kind of wanted to go the way he did. He wanted that that conclusion. I'm pretty pretty sure. Yeah. Bummer, because he was really talented. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I can see you guys are having a nice uh, Toronto day out here. <laughs> You're here on the right day. Yeah. How long have you been in town? Uh, almost 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. So you got, a, what, was it raining last night though? But Yeah, it was pretty cold last night. You got a good day today though. Uh, so I hear. Yeah, which is rare in late November for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah the, the sun came out and I was like, hey, the sun. <laughs> came out just for Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start with the Opera House. You guys playing the Opera House tonight? Yes. When you guys decide to do something like a club show, we like on this podcast, we like to really get into sort of the minutia of how creative decisions are made within a group or mm-hmm. any artist making something. When you decide to do a club show like the the Opera House or say do Fallon, we're doing Enter Sandman with the Roots. How are those decisions made like within the group? Is there anyone that needs convincing? Is it no? I mean, you know, it, it, it just kind of goes along with what sort of. Uh, uh, 
you know, situation we're in right now, which the situation we're in right now is, you know, we've recorded an album, we're doing tons of press, uh, we need to drum up as much uh, promotion and, and publicity as we can for this album, and we've just, we've known from past experiences that deciding to go out there and do you know uh, uh, all these small shows and, and, and smaller venues in major cities creates an, a major event in every city and you know it just really helps with the push of the album and so we've played you know we played a show a couple shows in berlin we played a show in paris we played a, a show in london uh we played a show in new york we're gonna play a show tonight here in toronto we're gonna play a show in la we're gonna play a show in san francisco they're all smaller shows with the, you know the just uh, the expressed uh, intention to like give our hardcore fans a treat with a small show, and you know also pack the show with as much media people as possible, you know record company people, people who've worked with us, you know old friends, associates, whatever. Yeah, it's just a great thing. Get the and, word out, a little bit of a party. Yeah, 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 and you know the. Uh, as far as we're concerned, the band is con concerned, we love playing smaller stages. I mean, you know, I'd rather play a club show than be on a, a stage that's 300 feet long. It takes me two minutes to run from one side <laughs> to another with my guitar on, and I'm supposed to be playing the whole time. Yeah. You know, it's just like, uh, it's just a different animal. And well, I mean, with the smaller stage, does it feel like it's almost back to sort of that original? Absolutely, you know, it's, it's just the sound and everything, right? Everything, you know, it's great when you know the other guys are only a few feet away, and it feels like we're playing, uh, you know, in our rehearsal space, but there just happens to be like you know eight hundred people or what whatever out there watching us. But the small stages and, and the small shows are a lot of fun because you know our band dynamic really like comes alive because we're so close to each other we could see each other we're vibing we're on a small stage and the audience is out there vibing with us and we can see the audience and we're you know a little bit closer to them too so it's a better better experience for us Mm -hmm. Definitely. When you, when you decide to do like the Fallon sort of deal, is that like, a, yeah, we're all in, let's do it, we're up for these sort of things, or was it like, a, we'll see how this goes, this could be the weirdest thing ever? No, I mean, we're always up for it, for most stuff. I mean, you know, either we're up for it because we think it's cool, or we're up for it because we think it's a cool challenge, or we're up for it up for it because we think it's just necessary. And, you know, the Fallon thing, playing with the Roots, that was, sounded like, a, just like a fun thing, so, I mean... You know, uh, we, we just said, heck yeah, we'll do it. Unfortunately, I got stuck with a hard instrument. You know? <laughs> I got stuck with the melodica, which was like, you know, I had to actually like concentrate. How many times did you guys rehearse it? Oh, yeah, four or five times. So four or five and then, or do you shoot it all five we times? We just shot, shot, you know, every single time and just showed the best one. I mean, it's supposed to be like kind of like loose and fun and totally kind of goofy. And so... Yeah, I think if it's a little all over the place, it's part of the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the school um, You mentioned doing a club show in San Francisco. You're from San Francisco, right? Yes, yes. You live there now? Yes. Do you find now there's just as much enthusiasm where, like, friends and family are like, you guys are doing a club show. Oh, it's... it's Get it's, me in. Oh, it's, it's... It's, like... I don't even want to talk about it. It's just... <laughs> uh, physics... Uh, says that you can only cram, you know, a certain amount of, of, of space into uh, another another space well 
physics doesn't come into play with with our shows. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like you know, when there's ever an announcement that we're playing in San Francisco, my my phone just starts ringing, my texts start <laughs> going off, my emails just ridiculous, ridiculous, you know. My fourth, fifth, and sixth cousins who live 300 miles away, who I see, you know, every like 10 years, start yeah. contacting me. You know, the guy I went to, uh, I went to school with, you know, I, uh, who I still know, you know, from fifth grade, he'll call me. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and of course, I have to say yes to everyone. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. No one wants to be left out. Yeah. You don't want to be the bad guy to exactly. say, yeah, there's no exactly. tickets. Yeah. Um, on this record, I'd read that you'd lost 250 demos. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, and with that, I guess my question is, can you describe how like your process changed like within the band and how you were able to sort of contribute and still find meaning, even though all of those like riffs and pieces that you had that maybe would have been applied to this record yeah, were gone just, to the ether? You know, I'm, I've become the poster boy for losing my iPhone <laughs> for, the, for the world, and that doesn't feel good. Uh, you know, what I do now is uh, when I write write something, if I can't rem actually remember it, mm. you know, just by picking up my guitar and remembering it, then it's probably not that good. Interesting. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm saying this after, uh, after a lot of thought and a lot of uh, thought about how music used to be composed before we had things like... Easily tape, tape recorders, recorded. tape recorders, you know, digital recorders, whatever. It was all written by and remembered or written down on pieces of paper and remembered. And they could only remember the best stuff. I mean, you know, when they sat down back then in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, up into the 70s, they had to remember whatever they, they played. You know, they just couldn't turn on a recorder and remember remember how abstract that feel was or how, or how weird that feel was. I mean, if it was abstract or weird, they wouldn't be able to remember the feel. But if it was like really cool and catchy, of course they'd be able to remember it. And so I, 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 I've kind of ad adopted that sort of uh, attitude, you know. If I can't remember it at any point, then maybe it just wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And so that's... That's kind of uh, the approach I've taken now, which is kind of a healthier approach because I'm not so dependent on recording the stuff. And it also tells me that, you know, the stuff that I'm writing that I can remember is of a higher quality because it's ex instantly accessi it's accessible and yeah, I can remember it easily. Well, that's an interesting thought. It's almost like the idea that now you can walk away from your composition and then come back to it at any time. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, it's almost like I have to work on this composition and basically live with it. Yeah, and remember. And rem in order to get my so rest. So it had to, be, had to flow and it had to be catchy and it had to be good for you to be able to remember it. And so that's, you know, that's kind of like my uh, attitude right now is if I write a piece of music, you know, it has to be good enough to be able to be, for me to recall it 100%. And so that's kind of like what I'm, I'm working on now. Yeah. And what, how I recall that stuff is uh, it's just I, I, I title it and write the title down on the piece of paper and just a few notes. I don't record it at all. So just notes in order to retain, it's like... To recall it, yeah. And, and, and I only remember the parts that I can remember. And I'm realizing those are the parts that I should be remembering. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
This album is coming on the heels of a really divisive U.S. election. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it channels like a lot of the anger and anxiety that, you know, maybe a lot of people feel. My question is, I mean, how much do you, as Kurt Hammett, identify with like those emotions and sort of how everybody's feeling after? Well, I got to tell you, you know, you know um, our album came at the right time because, you know, uh, with that big shakeup that happened November 8th and then our album coming out November 18th, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a little happy for the fact that, uh, that at least, you know, our album came out and, and we can, like, bring some, some sort of solace to some people out there who are really uh, upset or disappointed or, or, or like whatever. a cathartic record almost yeah, to listen yeah, to. Yeah, 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 and, and that's fine. You know, for for me, I mean, uh, it's just like, you know, uh, I'm, the, I'm, I was, uh, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm the guy who's just like always angry. My anger is just like always under the surface, you know, and it just manifests in, in the weirdest, most craziest, strangest ways. And, you know, it's something that I've, I've had to deal with all my life. And so, you know, when things like the election comes up and it's so weird and so d d d divisive, you know, I, I, ha I have to check myself and check my own anger and go, ah, you know, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that's going to like change my life completely, you know, and I really have to like check it and just make sure that it, my anger doesn't just like send me off into an un unhealthy space. But I mean, you know, the situation with, with the politics in, in, in America right now, and in Britain, it's 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 weird. It's almost like it has to happen to give people a little bit of perspective on how things could be a lot worse for us. Um, but you know, as 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 far as that's concerned, I mean, you know, I don't know what the is going to happen. I I need to like be optimistic about it, but I'm going to wait and watch and pay attention. For sure. See how it unfolds. Yeah. Do you do you sort of follow along and check it every day, or do you find that that can be infuriating, or is it something that maybe well, I, I keep it at arm's length. Ever since I was like eight or nine years old, I've been a news junkie. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been reading the newspaper ever since I was like eight, eight or nine years old, from 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 back to back every day. What's your go-to news source? Uh, you know, I have a, a few of them. I, you know, New York Times. Uh, you know, Huffington Post. The Daily Beast, you know, Washington Post, uh, um, uh, San Francisco Chronicle, yeah. uh, Hawaii Civil Beat. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I just bounce from all the other ones, you know, because to me it's important to just not go to just one site. It's important to go to a lot of different sites and get a lot of different perspective. Yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about you know what your routine looks like when you're at home when you're not on the road and then how you stay healthy on the road mm -hmm. like what well, does a day look like for you well yeah, I mean it's pretty simple day in day out and I've been doing it for years is I wake up I do yoga I meditate and then you know depending on where I'm at I'm I'll, I'll either go to the go to the gym go for a run go for, for a bike ride or go out and surf you know and and, and after that 
by the time I'm done with that routine, it's like maybe 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and then at my rest of the day, which entails, you know, being a dad, playing guitar, you know, just, uh, and, and life in general. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly, fairly simple and fairly basic for me. Uh, and on the road, I just do an extension of that. I mean, today I woke up, I did yoga, I meditated, I went down to the gym. Uh, and then came back up here, got ready for you guys. Yeah. You know, we're gonna we're gonna play a show tonight. Um, you know, tomorrow I'll probably do the same. Wake up, go down. You know, do yoga, meditate, go down to the gym. Then I'll do a bunch of press, and and then hop on a plane and fly back to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. For a week and a half off, and then and then we play. Uh, you know, we go down to LA and do exactly what we're doing here but in LA I'm always interested when you know a band has been as successful as you guys and sort of at the the top legendary in your genre it's fascinating because I always think about like there's always somebody that maybe you aspire to or like for instance like Bono feels like he's a huge star but you get him in a room with Paul McCartney he goes oh, damn I'm not mm-hmm. Paul McCartney and then you get Paul McCartney room, he goes oh, maybe I'm not as cool as Mick Jagger and Mick Jagger goes mm-hmm. oh shit well we're not as revered as the Beatles whatever yeah, right, yeah. do you guys or you specifically is there somebody that you sort of hold in that reverence, and then yeah, there's a, there's a, I mean, as a guitar player, there's a lot of a lot of other musicians out there who I just am such a huge fan of. I mean, you know, all the British guitar players, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, you know, all, all those guys, I I I really have a lot of respect for, and a lot of the guys, lesser known guys too, like Peter Green. Uh, Davy Johnstone, uh, um, Rory Gallagher. Are there uh, any new guys that get your competitive juices flowing, or bands that you go? Oh, uh, I, I love, I love, uh, I love Kajira. I think they're a really, really great band. You know, their um, their newest album is fantastic. I just love it. Um, whenever I get around people who influenced me as a, as a kid, you know, I just I just t- totally turn into a fan again. <laughs> I mean, you know, like any of the any of the the guys in the Scorpions or any of the guys in UFO. I mean, I just uh, the, I love those bands and you know any of the the, the seventies hard rock bands like you know, Aerosmith, Pat Travers, Van Halen. Uh, you know. It, Van Halen, Aerosmith, eh? Yeah, I mean those. You know, any, anyone from those bands, you know, Kiss. I mean, uh, any, anyone who was uh, had anything to do with Thin Lizzy. I mean, you know. do you forge friendships with those guys? Even though oh, absolutely, sort of... absolutely. You know, I, I have a, a pretty good relationship with Orc Roth, who is the uh, one of the first guitar players of, of the Scorpions, and Michael Schenker, who is uh, one of my biggest influences. You know, I, I have. A, uh, a somewhat of a relationship with him as well. Is it odd to go from fan to peer? Uh, you don't feel it. <laughs> it's just it, <laughs> to me. It's just it's like you know. It's just like I'm 15 years old again, and I, I you know just making friends. Eddie Van Halen walks into the room. I'm 15 year, years old again. And I'm like, hey, Eddie. <laughs> you know, explain some more of this stuff to me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, lastly. As far as Metallica, is there any parts of the band's narrative that you feel gets overlooked? Or conversely, like, what part of your story are you most proud of that maybe doesn't get the most attention? Well, you know, the whole Napster thing is, is very controversial. Sure. But, you know, I really feel that that, that, that we're, we're on, on, 
ahead of everyone else on that. And I just uh, wish we would have had more support during that period. If we would have had more support during that period and more help, I, I sincerely believe that things would have been slightly different nowadays and things would have been a little better for the artists now, you know, in more recent times. Because since Napster, it's been a steady decline oh, in the music, music industry. And it essentially bands, collapsed. Yeah, and for, and for bands and musicians. And, it, and the decline is fairly consistent. <laughs> it hasn't gone, really gotten better for musicians since then. And you recognized the danger early on. Yeah. But yeah. in the moment, there was like a level of sort of like, calm down. Yeah. But I mean... Uh, I mean, having said that, there is a, a, you know a shiny side to the that the whole thing in that you know bands ha- now have the same platform to go out there and put their music out as as any other band out there, you know, including us. You know, they have the same platform whether or not they they can drum up the same amount of attention or not. You know, that's that's their their job, but and their responsibility. But I mean. It, it just like it just you know I just wish that that people would have paid more attention to the plight that we're, we're tr- trying to, to bring awareness around and we got hammered for it and particularly Lars got hammered for it and I thought that was really unfair and still to this day he he, he, he gets he gets uh, crap for it and I, I still think it's just unfair and opportunistic for people to give them crap. Well, thank you for your time, man. Thanks. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Good questions, man. Oh, thanks. Was that really going out live? We were going live for like the first 10 minutes or so. Okay, good. It's a good thing I didn't like pick my nose. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're in the dessert. Fellas, what's going on? Actually, I feel like there's been a saga. Uh, this would, this if we do talk about, and I know we will, Mr. Frank D'Angelo. This will be the fourth episode in a row. <laughs> People are liking yeah. it though. They're like actually, our manager who listens to the pod, she was like, "When's the Frank episode going to come out?" <laughs> I'll be getting text message. Joe D. Benedetto, shout out to Joe. Oh, People have been contacting me a lot, like more than they ever have about any subject yeah. like people I haven't talked to from like high school days are contacting me on Facebook and stuff yeah. about that I was at a basketball game last night with uh, Justin uh, Stockman who oversees he approves all of these pods so he's been following along and he's of the mind that the saga is more interesting than ultimately the interview, the interview will end up will being. Be. anyone hasn't been following the saga Mike you're good at recapping things what's Frank D'Angelo Frank D'Angelo is what a, is Frank D'Angelo he's a millionaire uh, filmmaker he does films sort of like it's his passion but his business is like apple juice cheat energy drinks uh, but then he uses his money to fly in you know so name actors like James Caan Michael Madsen he puts them in these films he does them he has five films out Shane is obsessed with his work I'm, I'm a huge fan of his first and foremost like I'm a legit fan read his biography and I was a little nervous when we had the interview set up. Like, it had already fallen through once. We'd gone to his restaurant. Uh, Frank did not show up. Shane had missed an email. So that was strike one. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, we're going to reschedule for this Thursday. So my- and, and, and you, Shane, thought Frank was with him because he may have listened to the pod and thought like we were my, my initial feeling was, I mean, I'm usually a pretty good gut instinct person. Like, if I feel something's going on, not always right, but I'm right nine times out of ten. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the interview is going to happen, even though 
in all probability, if a guy says he's going to do it after he cancels, he's going to do it, yeah. right? Because otherwise he would just say, actually, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, day of the uh, interview, I, uh, I woke up at Mike's place because I, I wanted to be in Toronto to wake up, like be able to sleep in a little bit because Mike has a place in Toronto. I go to Good Life to shower because, yeah, you were showering anyway at the same time. I come out of the shower and uh, as I'm getting dressed, my phone's ringing. Our interview is at noon that day. We're going to go to Mississauga, Shane and I. And so when I get to work, I see that Shane's not there. I'm like, oh, we've got to, we're going to this interview in like an hour. It's like, you know, 1030 or something. I'm like, we got to leave soon. But Shane's not around. Interesting. I was at Good Life just showering. <laughs> no one's accusing you of anything no, else. No. <laughs> I was not jerking off a guy. Not saying you were. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> so... <laughs> As I, I, I get a phone call, that says uh, no caller ID and I get caller, uh, what do they call telemarketers sometimes? So typically I don't answer, but given what happened last time, I'm like, oh, this is probably an assistant saying the interview's over or something. I go, hello. I get hello. I'm like, hi. It's like, what are you sleeping? <laughs> I'm like, no, I was uh, just at the gym working out, <laughs> even though I literally just took a shower and that was it. <laughs> but uh, he's like, Frank here, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to, I don't know, reschedule. I, I, I got a movie shooting in February. He's like, and you know, it's, we're, we're doing production today and I just can't film it. Initially, I'm very suspicious. I'm like, this can't be the real reason. If this was, get your assistant to call. Yeah. Or maybe he's just being polite and he's like, I want to handle this. So I say, oh, that's fine, Frank. You know, uh, you know, we can reschedule. I know you're a busy guy. And I can tell he, he wants more of a reaction from me. He wants me to be more disappointed. But like you say, like bees with honey, take yeah. the high road, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> whatever that slogan was, what was it again? Uh, they go low, we go high. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I did that thing. And then he's like, yeah, but uh, I was actually listening to uh, you. You're the end guy, right? You come on at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so blood's pumping like I'm oh sweating like a pig. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am, Frank. Hi, yeah. Well, oh, a smattering of applause, eh? After 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 the film, there was a smattering of applause <laughs> referencing Shane going to the premiere. <laughs> I said, sorry, Frank. I, I recorded that a while ago. I'm not even sure uh, what I said. Well, he's like, I'll tell you. You said there was a smattering of applause after my premiere of my film. <laughs> There was not a smattering. There was a wave of applause. <laughs> He's like, except for that when they showed that Michael Pare because he was a prick in the film. Like, so he's being kind of funny about it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like that was a 25 minute conversation that Mike and I had. Some of it was edited. Parts maybe may have taken out that kind of threw it out of context. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. He's like, well, I don't like untruths. He's like, I need the truth. If I'm going to do something. I need the truth. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's totally understandable. And, I'm, you know, I'm very sorry. He's like, and another thing, friends and family. I didn't know any of those guys. Those weren't friends and family in the crowd. It's like those were all he's like, how long before did you have to buy tickets to the premiere? I was like a week. He's like, exactly. He's like, that was a sold out show. You made it seem like it was just friends and family. And, I, and I'm honestly feeling bad. I'm like, oh, OK. Like I, that was my guess that it could have been friends and family. But I don't know. So I'm backpedaling. I'm like, listen, like I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. Sometimes I'm just doing things for comedy sake. He's like, Howard? It's like, I've been on Howard three times. <laughs> or no, he said twice. Now I got to get things straight here. He said, <laughs> he said, I've been on Howard Stern twice. 
And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's incredible. Like I'm the biggest Howard Stern uh, fan ever. He's like, yeah, yeah, me, me too. So we're kind of connecting. Then he starts talking about the Canadian Maple Leaf, how it's a great film. I agree with him, say it's great. I start throwing in other tidbits, how I'd seen all of his movies. And then he's like, I kind of like how you're talking now. He's like, <laughs> he's like, see, I like this. I like how you're talking now. And then um, I'm like, well, and another thing I was wondering, like, you know, I've, I've made a documentary. I was actually hoping I could do a documentary on you. He's like, I, I don't need no I, reality shows. They contact me. I don't need no cameras following me around. <laughs> I say, well, my doc has actually been on Netflix. I'm part of a documentary team. It's called Delivery. He's like, Delivery, Delivery. I like this. And, <laughs> and he's like, what's it about? I'm like, well, it's a, about life, death and stand up comedy. It's like, this sounds very profound to me. This sounds <laughs> profound. <laughs> He's like, maybe I'll have you as a guest on my show. Woo! So he's got Being Frank, a late night talk show. Oh, my God. Which is my dream to be on that show. <laughs> it, hon yes! it honestly is. <laughs> so uh, he says, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll check out. I'll check out the doc. He's like, I got Netflix on my phone. <laughs> I got uh, he's like, I got it on my phone. I got it on my TV. I got Netflix coming on my ass or whatever. So, <laughs> so I'm like, OK, sweet. And I'm all nervous. We start talking about all of his films. And I felt like I built a lot of credibility that because you knew all the details. I'm a legit fan. I had a suspicion that his, his favorite role would be in the, the Big Fat Stone, yeah. which is where he plays a, a homeless man, and it was his favorite film. So I'm thinking maybe now he actually wants to do the interview, but he's already said that he can't do it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit. If only I had spoken better on the the previous desserts, I think we could add the interview. Anyway, get off the phone. I tell Mike, obviously Mike is disappointed, but Mike is ready for anything after. Uh, yeah, what I'm not, not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going for lunch. <laughs> but a couple of days go by. I don't hear anything from Frank. There's no follow up about delivery. So I send him, I send him like a big document. It's just listing all the films I've been a, a part of, all the documentary films and the team and how we would do it. I get no reaction couple more days go by now I'm like geez how do I get this guy's attention so remember when I was talking to you Max and I asked you if you'd ever do a duet with Frank <laughs> yeah for uh, uh my heart's always yours right That's oh yeah, yeah yeah and you said you would yeah so uh I, I approached him again as maybe you appearing on as just a musical guest like cut me out because maybe Frank hates me at this point <laughs> but you're the most likable guy in the world uh, so I figured he can't not like Max Kerman. And I was like, um, I work with uh, Max Kerman, lead singer of the Arkells, who is the biggest band in Canada at the moment. They won uh, the 2015 Juno for best band, and they also won for best album. So anyways, I was like, Here, here's this song. Let me know if you'd like to do a duet with Max and, appear, <laughs> and he could appear on the Being Frank show. But obviously, I didn't run that part by you no, until you, right now. You just said, would you do some music with Frank? It, was, it wasn't even a duet. Or maybe you said duet, but I didn't know it was for my heart. But anyway, I like it already. Continue. <laughs> so you'll do it? Yeah. Okay. So so, am I going, so did you, has he gone back to you about that? I just sent that email. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. Do you think he'll respond, though? I wonder. I wonder if I've ruined it. Like, No. I think he's probably waiting to hear the 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 episodes he, the yeah. last week's episode we talked about him not showing up to the interview so I wonder how he felt about that you know, you know what you said you, you know that you have good gut instincts when you said 
I'm worried you because you literally said this like two weeks ago. I'm worried that he's listened to the pod and he doesn't think we're taking him seriously. And I said, there's no way he listens to the pod. That guy's doing nine million other things. There's no way he like found the podcast, fast forwarded to the end of the podcast of the dessert. But I'm totally wrong. You're totally right. He well, totally did listen to the podcast. And now you're going to have to do a duet with him because of it. <laughs> Which is, I'm kind of excited about now, actually, to be honest. Perfect. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. If you're a fan of the podcast, we could uh, you know use your support by just spreading the good word. So uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mike on Much. Uh, all the artwork is provided by Jenna Gregory at jennasdoodles.com. Huge shout out to Dan Carruthers and Pasquale. Killing it. Every are, week. Every week we're killing it on social media and uploading the shows. Justin Stockman in the house. Greg Stewart always giving us a spot to interview. Kristen Nichols. Oh, and I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, that and that will be next episode. We'll talk yeah, about we'll, that. Yeah. That is a huge exciting Woo! thing. Yeah. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend. <laughs>